Introduction Welcome to the Butler Trail audio guide for Feathered County Tipperary. You are about to embark on a journey of discovery around one of Ireland's best preserved medieval walled towns. As we follow the route, we will be walking in the footsteps of Tipperary's most famous dynasty, the Butlers. For centuries, this Anglo-Norman family dominated this county. They built and controlled some of the finest castles, churches and settlements in all of Ireland. In Feathered, we get a glimpse of what medieval life was like for those who lived within the sphere of Butler control. Eight centuries of history is written into the fabric of this town, which boasts the best preserved medieval town wall in the country. As we shall see, to walk around Feathered is to step back in time. This audio guide will bring you to the town's key historical sites. We will stand in the shadow of numerous medieval buildings and visit the famous Tholsal, one of the largest surviving 17th century urban structures in Ireland. We will follow the ghostly beat of the town's medieval guards as they pace the walls and gates to keep watch over those who were welcomed into the town and to keep out those who were not. Along the way, we will encounter some of the town's rich historical cast of characters. From the forgetful Augustinian friars who risked a king's wrath, to the unfortunate governor who had to face down the most feared and notorious man in Irish history, the English Lord Protector, Oliver Cromwell. But before we begin that journey, we want to take you back to Feathered's origins at the dawn of the 13th century. This is a story that begins with two Anglo-Norman families who won favour from King John of England and were rewarded with vast amounts of land in Tipperary, the De Braces and the Fitzwalters. The first of our Anglo-Normans was William de Brace, who was granted the land you see all around you in the early 1200s. Though popular with the King of England, he had not been a favourite of the Welsh, where he held lands before coming to Ireland. They thought his treatment was so brutal that they nicknamed him the Ogre of Abergavenny. This was the man who first established what became the town of Feathered. Its name is an anglicisation of Fia Ord, which means high wood. The ogre's time in Feathered was short. Unfortunately for de Brace, he fell foul of King John and was forced to flee from Ireland, a hunted man. The king gave Feathered to the Archbishops of Cashel, in whose hands it remained until the 1500s. The other Anglo-Norman lord that King John favoured with thousands of acres was a man called Theobald Fitzwalter. Unlike de Brace, Fitzwalter stayed on the right side of royal power. Eventually his family were honoured with the title Chief Butler, meaning they could pour the first cup of wine for the King of England at grand events. 
Even more importantly, it meant they could collect what was called the presage of wine, a 15% tax on all wine imported into Anglo-Norman-controlled Ireland. These privileges brought the family great wealth and it caused them to change their name. Instead of Fitzwalter, they would become known as the Butlers, the surname by which we know them today. While the Butlers were not involved in the founding of Feathered, their family were to play a major role in the town's history, as we will hear later in this audio guide. Now that we have explored the town's origins, let's begin our tour of this historic and storied town. As you walk around, please be aware that Feathered can be a busy place. Take care when walking between the various stops, especially when crossing the roads. When you are ready, we will begin at Madam's Bridge as we prepare to pass through the western entrance into this medieval walled town. Madam's Bridge Along the southern walls of Feathered runs the charming Clashawley River, whose name translates as Beautiful Stream, a highly accurate description. The gentle waters that flow beneath Madam's Bridge are home to a wide range of wildlife, so keep your eyes out for trout, heron and kingfishers. Madam's Bridge is one of two main bridges that cross the river into Feathered. It has been a major crossing point since medieval times. Much of the three-arched stone structure visible today was reconstructed in the 1700s using material from an earlier bridge. If you look hard enough, you might just spot part of a faded plaque commemorating that rebuild, incorporated into the bridge's fabric midway along its west side. Immediately to your right, as you cross into Feathered, are all that remains of a gatehouse once known as Madam's Castle. Built in the 1400s, this was once an imposing three-storey building that controlled entry into Feathered for over four centuries. It was removed during the 1880s to improve access to the town. A 19th century sketch by Irish artist George Victor Dunoya shows us just how impressive and imposing it once was. It was topped by a turret where lookouts could gaze over the countryside for miles around. Anyone who wanted to enter the town had to pass beneath its massive stone walls a sobering experience that would make you think twice about causing any trouble. When you have crossed the bridge, follow the footpath into the town. On your left, you will see the convent and Catholic church. Follow the lane to the right of the church, known as Chapel Lane. At the end of the lane, turn left to arrive at our next stop, the North Gate. Chapel Lane and North Gate. You have just walked along one of the oldest laneways in Feathered and have reached the North Gate, the only surviving medieval gate into the town. 
It dates from the 1400s and is also known to locals as Sparogalay. Like many other important medieval towns such as Cashel and Clonmel, Feathered constructed their town walls for defence. But the walls also allowed them to control trade and to display their town's wealth and power. Feathered's wall limited access to the town to one of five main gates. They were the North Gate, Madam Castle where we first entered Feathered, Watergate, East Gate and the Wicket or Pierce Gate. The North Gate was once much taller than it is today. The unstable higher levels had to be removed for safety reasons, though the remains of a narrow room that once sat above the arch still survives. To the right of the gate are traces of a rectangular two-storey building. Some of the armed guards who constantly patrol the walls and watch the gates were stationed here. As well as checking on those who were entering or exiting Feathered, it was their job to charge a toll on any goods that traders hoped to sell within the town walls. Before you leave, take a look underneath the North Gate's main arch. Remarkably, the impressions in the plaster you can see there are 500 years old. They were left by the stonemasons who first built the gate. The marks are the ghostly traces of the wickerwork arch they used as a guide and support for the stone structure. Once the mortar between the stones had set, they pulled the wicker away, leaving behind a permanent reminder of their handiwork. When you are finished at North Gate, Walk down Rocklow Road to the main street. Our next stop, Feathered Horse Country Experience, is located across the main street in the Tholsel building. Tholsel, now housing the Feathered Horse Country Experience. Feathered and its surrounding countryside is the thoroughbred capital of Ireland. Among the horses that have been trained nearby are racing greats like Nijinsky and Galileo. Feathered's Coolmore Stud is known as the world leader in thoroughbred breeding. The Horse Country Experience tells this incredible success story through a series of interactive exhibitions. Inside, visitors can also see the skeleton of famed 14-time champion sire Sadler's Wells. The Horse Country experience also reveals more about the remarkable 17th century building in which it is housed. It is known as the Tholsel, or the Town Hall, and is one of the largest urban structures of its type in Ireland. Tholsel is an old English word that means toll house. That is just one of the many uses this building has had over the centuries. Beginning as an almshouse, this building was also used as a town hall, market house, guild hall, merchant's meeting place, custom house, courthouse and even a dance hall. The building was also used by the town sovereign, a type of early mayor elected by the town citizens, 
and was the headquarters of the Town Corporation until 1840. The construction of the Tholsel was sponsored by the local Everard family. They were related to the butlers by marriage, a connection that served both them and Featheredwell. They celebrated those links with the specially made plaques that can still be seen on the front of the Tholsel. Among them is the coat of arms of the butler barons of Dunboyne. Their arms include a depiction of covered cups which represent the butler's position as cup-bearers to the king. Beneath the plaque is their motto, Timor Domini Fons Vitae, which translates as, Fear of the Lord is the Fountain of Life. When this building first opened in 1611, it was used as a women's almshouse. During this period, women and men received alms in different parts of the town. The ground floor continued to serve the town's poor for around 150 years. The Tholsel's upper floor was the part of the building that was used as the toll house. It was made up of one long hall. Given the activity that took place there, it had more restricted access and was a more exclusive space. The main entrance was via a wooden staircase in the grounds of Holy Trinity Church, our next stop. When you are finished, make your way to Holy Trinity Church, which is located behind the Tholsel. Holy Trinity Church Welcome to the magnificent Holy Trinity Church one of the largest medieval parish churches in Ireland. This imposing building dates back to the 1200s, when William de Brace first laid out the town of Feathered. At that time, the church was dedicated to St John the Baptist. Though the building has expanded and contracted over the centuries, most of the nave and the pointed arches of the church's central aisle date to the 1200s. They are survivors of one of the darkest days in Feathered's history, which came in 1468. That year, despite the strength of the defences, soldiers under Garrett Fitzgerald managed to force their way into the town. The air was pierced with screams and anguished cries as much of Feathered went up in flames, including the church. Garrett was a man seeking vengeance. His brother, the Earl of Desmond, had been executed for treason and he wanted revenge on those he saw as responsible. High on his list were his bitter rivals, the Butler Earls of Ormond. Feathered's Butler connections had sealed its fate. Though Feathered and its people suffered greatly from this attack, they were resilient. They gradually restored and rebuilt what had been damaged and destroyed, including Holy Trinity's roof. This was replaced in 1489 and survives to this day, hidden beneath the 19th century ceiling. It is now recognised as one of the oldest timber roofs in Ireland. During the medieval period, 
This church attracted visitors from far and wide. Many of them came here to see the rare oak carvings of St. John the Baptist, Christ on Calvary and God the Father. Local tradition tells us that these statues were hidden at the time of the Reformation to prevent their destruction. After the Reformation, when the church changed its name to Holy Trinity, the statues were once again displayed. They became especially popular in the 1600s, when visitors came to the church on Trinity Sunday and attended the three-day fair that followed the feast day. Journeys were undertaken from all over Munster to take part in the fair, see the statues and celebrate the Holy Day. Though the fair is long gone, the original medieval statues that attracted so many have survived. They are now housed in the National Museum of Ireland in Kildare Street, Dublin. Papier-mâché replicas made by local schoolchildren can be found inside the church today. Before continuing the tour, take some time to explore the grounds of Holy Trinity Church. Here you can find the 15th century wall walk, used by guards to patrol the town's perimeter, and the reconstructed mural tower. Mural towers are a type of tower that was built along a wall for added defence. Although a number of feathered mural towers survived until the 1700s, only two now remain the rectangular tower here and a round tower near the GAA pitch. When you are finished at Holy Trinity Church, return to the main street. Take a right and follow the footpath as it curves to the right. You will be able to see the imposing remains of Court Castle on your right-hand side. Court Castle. This is the largest fortified house in Feathered, known as Court Castle. Local tradition held that it was founded by the famed Knights Templars. The Templars were a 12th century religious military order who were renowned for their part in the Crusades. Although the Templars were present in Tipperary, we now know that they can't have been associated with Court Castle. The castle has been dated to the 1400s, long after the order had been suppressed by the Pope. Although the Templar tradition may not be true, Court Castle does have a religious connection. It is believed that Sir Thomas Everard may have once lived here. The feathered native was the last prior of St John the Baptist Hospital in Dublin. Run by the crutched friars to aid the sick and the poor, the Dublin Hospital had a long-standing connection with Feathered. The town's founder, William de Brace, had granted them lands here in the 1200s. He believed that by doing so, he was benefiting the eternal soul of himself, his wife and his son. The fortified house may well have become known as Court Castle due to a link with the butler Earls of Ormond. The great butler lords had come to Feathered in the late 1400s 
to attend a number of court sessions. During that time, they issued a series of ordinances or decrees. They may well have done so from this very building. It is also possible that Sir Thomas Everard held his court's leith here. These courts were held twice yearly for petty offences that were punishable by fines. Like many of the major medieval buildings in Feathered, the lower floor of Court Castle was entered from street level. Originally, it may well have had a commercial use. The upper floor was more private and was a high-status medieval residence. It was accessed by an external flight of stairs from the grounds of Holy Trinity Church. Those who made their home inside enjoyed a standard of living most in Feathered could only dream of. They were warmed by heat from an ornate fireplace, enjoyed the comfort of a small toilet chamber and even had a laver, an object specifically designed so people could wash their hands before eating. When you are ready, follow Burke Street until you reach Eastgate Park. Eastgate This was once the location of the East Gate, one of the five gates of medieval Fethard. This spot was one of the busiest parts of the medieval town and was a constant hum of activity. The constant comings and goings were down to the fact that this road led to the major city of Kilkenny. It was there that most of Feathered's traded goods originated, and so a steady flow of merchants and peddlers streamed through this gate. It was also the route townspeople took to visit the large Augustinian Abbey, located just outside the town walls. On the 2nd of February 1650, those unfortunate enough to be standing on guard at the East Gate witnessed the approach of one of the most terrifying armies ever to march in Ireland. That was the night that Oliver Cromwell and his veteran New Model Army arrived in front of Feathered's Walls. It is difficult to imagine what went through the townspeople's minds as the infamous general set up camp in the remains of the Abbey. The stories of slaughter and destruction were still ringing in their ears from the recent massacres in Drogheda and Wexford. Despite the risks, at first, Feathered's garrison refused to treat with Cromwell. Luckily, once they had seen the grizzled English veterans up close, minds were changed. Feathered's governor, Lieutenant Colonel Piers Butler, decided to surrender the town on terms. He knew the potential cost of trying to hold out. Thanks to Butler's decision, Feathered escaped the fate of the less fortunate towns. To this day, Cromwell's presence continues to be felt in Feathered during funeral processions. When the coffin is carried to the town's graveyard, the people avoid Pierce Gate where Cromwell and his army are said to have entered the town. Instead, they take the longer route through Eastgate, 
because the people of Feathered refused to go out the way Cromwell came in. Though the East Gate was removed over 100 years ago, it is remembered in the name of the recently opened Eastgate Park. This tranquil park offers a chance to admire a stretch of the town's 15th century walls. From there, you can make your way further down Burke Street to the next stop, the Augustinian Abbey. Augustinian Abbey. The Augustinians arrived in Feathered around 1305 and soon set about building their new home. The result was the town's beautiful Augustinian Abbey. There was just one problem. They hadn't asked the King of England first. The monarch was supposed to sign off on new establishments, so failing to do so was a major error. Luckily, after an inquiry, Feathered's Augustinians were pardoned and the Abbey was allowed to remain. For over 200 years, they prospered here, operating a thriving millhouse and bakery on the site. Among their most important patrons were the butlers of Dunboyne, whose coats of arms can be found in the Abbey. They also funded the construction of the Lady Chapel, now known as Dunboyne Chapel. Ironically, when the Abbey was dissolved during the Reformation, it was Edmund Butler, Baron of Dunboyne, who was given the Friary's property. The Augustinians never forgot their former home. After the passage of almost 300 years, an opportunity finally arrived for them to return and partially restore the Abbey. Its doors reopened to the public once more on the 3rd of July, 1823. Today it is still possible to walk the Abbey's hollowed nave. Its sloping floor bears testament to the thousands of parishioners who have ventured here over the generations. Some have come to see beautiful features like the original 14th century windows in the north wall, while others come to pay respect to the unmarked grave of Blessed William Tyrry. William was an Augustinian monk who fell foul of a law which made it treasonous to be a Catholic priest in Ireland. He went into hiding but was captured and hanged in Clonmel in 1654. His body was interned here, where he is venerated as the Blessed William Terry. The Abbey is also the final resting place of Bishop John Butler. Born and feathered in 1730, John was the third son of the Lord Dunboyne. Feeling a call from God, he trained as a Catholic priest in Italy before returning to Ireland to become the Bishop of Cork. But when John's father, his two older brothers and his nephew died, he became the only male heir to the title Lord of Dunboyne. To hold this title, John needed to be a Protestant he also feared that if he did not marry and produce an heir, both the title and his family line would die out. John appealed to the Pope to be released from his vows. The Pope refused and John left the church. No longer a young man, he quickly married, but his daughter died while still a child. 
John never managed to produce another heir. When he died in 1800, he was buried beside his daughter in the Dunboyne Chapel of the Augustinian Abbey. When you have finished exploring the interior of the church, make your way to the adjoining graveyard. At the back of the abbey's east wall, there is an unusual stone carving known as a Sheila Nagig. We will see another example at our next stop, where we will discuss them in more detail. When you are ready, walk past Abbey Mill Theatre and cross the Clashawley River. There is a gap to your right immediately after the bridge, which brings you along the riverside footpath. At the end of the path, take a right and walk over the stone bridge onto Watergate Street, Edmunds Castle and the Sheila Gig. This is the former location of the Watergate, another of the town's medieval gates. Although the gate is gone, there are fragments of the medieval walls all around. Set into the wall on the right is a fantastic medieval carving known as a Sheila Gig. These remarkable sculptures can be found across Ireland. They generally depict contorted female figures who are prominently displaying their genitalia. They are often associated with religious sites and most appear to have been made between the 1300s and the 1500s. Their original purpose has been lost to history. It has been speculated that they may have been fertility symbols or were intended to ward off bad luck and the curse of the evil eye. To the left are the remains of another of Feathered's impressive medieval buildings. Edmunds Castle is a defended house that was built in the 1400s. Its name may come from an association with Redmond Everard, a representative of County Tipperary in the 16th century Dublin Parliament. Redmond was known to have many properties in Feathered, including two castles. Like the Tholsel and Court Castle, the lowest floor of Edmunds Castle was set aside for commercial use and could be entered at street level. The upper floor was more private and exclusive. To access it, you had to take a stairs from Holy Trinity Churchyard. It is thought that Edmunds Castle may once have been religious accommodation, perhaps for clergy attached to the church. The upper floor contained high-status architectural features like a fireplace and even a rare example of an overhanging garderobe or toilet chamber. You can still see the garderobe jutting out from the castle's first floor, where it overhangs the town's medieval pound. When you have finished here, follow the path to your left along the river to our next stop outside the Mural Tower. Medieval Town Walls Feathered is home to the most complete medieval wall circuit in Ireland. Incredibly, over 90% of the town wall still survives, a constant visual reminder of Feathered's centuries-old story.
This is one of the most impressive stretches. Standing here, it is easy to imagine the pride and security feathered citizens must have felt every time they looked up at this monumental structure. Their wall stood as a deterrent to Feathered's enemies and acted as a symbol of the town's wealth and power. Visitors from undefended towns could only look on with envy. There were few towns who could match Feathered's efforts when it came to defence. Aside from the cost, there was the question of manpower. Countless labourers sweated to erect the immense limestone walls that encircle the town's 1.1 kilometre perimeter. The barrier they threw up was topped with battlements to protect the guards who vigilantly patrolled the wall walk. Five towers, similar to the one you see here, added to the security. They ensured that anyone brave or foolish enough to attack the nearby wall would be met with a storm of fire. Officially, the history of Feathered's town walls date back to 1292. That was when King Edward I of England gave Feathered a murage grant, which allowed the Anglo-Norman inhabitants to build a defensive enclosure. His grant meant that taxes could be placed on goods coming into Feathered to fund the building of the walls. The town's first wall may not have been the impressive structure you see today. A hundred years after their first murage grant, Feathered were given another. This specified that the town was required to build stone walls. This suggests that Feathered's 13th century defences may have been constructed out of earth and wood. In 1409, King Henry IV of England provided another grant to expand and improve the town's stone walls. At the time there had been a surge in violence in Ireland. With their state-of-the-art defences, Feathered could face this unrest knowing that only the most determined of enemies could breach their walls. Feathered escaped attack then, but was not so lucky 60 years later. The walls did not deter Garrett Fitzgerald when he broke into the town in 1468. He was set on revenge for the death of his brother, the Earl of Desmond, and he made sure Feathered paid a heavy price. As the age of gunpowder arrived, the days of medieval walls like those at Feathered were numbered. Defences designed to deflect arrows and impede men were no match for the monstrous cannon that besieging armies could now carry with them. Feathered faced two such forces in the 17th century, when Lord Inchiquin's army arrived in 1647 and when Cromwell marched on Feathered in 1650. On both occasions, the town and its wall only survived because Feathered surrendered without a fight. Feathered's wall survived the turbulent time of the 1600s, 
but the centuries that followed saw them face their greatest threat, disrepair. Feathered became a member of the Heritage Council's Irish Walled Towns Network in the 20th century, which, in partnership with the community and Tipperary County Council, has funded conservation projects and festivals to help promote, protect and preserve the walls for future generations. When you are finished, turn around and go over the footbridge. Follow the footpath to our next stop, Feathered's Ballroom. The Modern Town You have now walked the historic town of Feathered and have seen and heard its impressive history. Echoes of that past remain everywhere today, not least among the local community who call Feathered home. Many of them still bear names that have been linked with Feathered and Tipperary for centuries, but have created histories that are all their own. Among them are Frank Scout Butler, the Feathered man who played for Tipperary's Gaelic football team. Frank was in Crow Park on Bloody Sunday 1920, when British Crown forces indiscriminately opened fire on footballers and spectators at the match. Frank could only look on as his teammate Michael Hogan was gunned down in front of him. In what became a famous incident, Frank was approached by a British soldier who asked, Where's your gun, Paddy? I left it in Flanders, replied Frank, quickly showing the British Army tattoo he had got during his First World War service. According to Frank, that tattoo saved his life on that dark day. The events of Bloody Sunday are still remembered in Feathered. A plaque outside the GAA pitch commemorates the town's players who were representing Tipperary. Aside from Frank, they include Gus McCarthy and the Tipperary captain, Ned O'Shea. Besides being a town known for its sporting endeavours, 20th century Feathered was also known for its ballroom. This building became the new social hub of Feathered in the 1960s. Dances were a part of the fabric of Irish community and social life, particularly in rural areas. Over the decades, this venue has reverberated to the sounds of some of Ireland's great musicians and show bands. Thousands of people have trod its floors in search of music, dance and, most of all, romance. It has even changed the course of some people's lives. Down through the years, more than a few who arrived at the ballroom single came away having found their new life partner. Although the days of the show bands are fading, Feathered's Ballroom remains a lively place where the community can enjoy weekly dance classes and games. Every year in February, the ballroom is also transformed into the Tipperaryana Book Fair. It is one of the biggest of its kind in Ireland and draws huge crowds in search of a hidden gem. Just like the town, the fertile and picturesque landscape that surrounds Feathered is packed with history and heritage. This area has long proved an attractive place to live 
and the countryside is dotted with lavish estates and fortresses that once belonged to the aristocracy. One such location is Kiltynan Castle, four kilometres outside the town. Once the seat of the butler barons of Dunboyne, this is now the residence of Sir Andrew Lloyd Webber, the legendary English composer whose musicals include Evita, Phantom of the Opera and Jesus Christ Superstar. Kiltynan is also home to one of the area's famed stud farms. Not far away, the rolling fields of Coolmore Stud thunder to the hoofbeats of the world's largest and best thoroughbred breeding operation. As well as producing champion racehorses, Coolmore is also a major employer for the people of Feathered and funds philanthropic projects in the town and surrounding areas. When you are finished here, cross the road to reach the car park where we began the tour. Conclusion We have now reached Madam's Bridge and the point where our story began. We hope that you have enjoyed this audio guide tour around Feathered, part of Tipperary's Butler Trail. If you would like to learn more about this illustrious family and the history and heritage of some of Tipperary's other towns, visit www.tipperary.com and www.irelandsancienteast.com Before leaving Feathered, why not take time to enjoy some of the charming coffee shops and delicatessens which offer a delicious selection of freshly made goods. Feathered also has a number of cosy pubs to relax and spend the afternoon in. One of them, McCarthy's, even specialises in wining you, dining you and burying you. Don't worry, this isn't a threat, just an example of a traditional Irish pub. Before funeral homes were introduced, many publicans were also undertakers, which was very useful for grieving families who could hold wakes in the pub. If you have more time, why not visit Feathered's horse country experience in the town's magnificent Tholsal? Between May and August, you can book a tour from the horse country experience to the famous Coolmore Stud, where you will be guided around the renowned Stallion Yard. This project was undertaken in 2020 with funding from the Department of Rural and Community Development through the Town and Village Accelerated Measure Scheme and with support from Tipperary County Council. The audio guide was produced by Abarta Heritage on behalf of Tipperary County Council with support from the Feathered Historical Society and Feathered Business and Tourism Committee. It was written by Tara Clark and edited by Damien Shields. Narration was by Paula Rouse and the guide was produced in Bluebird Studios with sound engineer Declan Lonergan and producer Tara Clark. If you would like to hear similar audio guides from other heritage sites around Ireland, please visit abartaheritage.ie. <laughs>